Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hear that podcast growling? Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Eater Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you on a Thursday as we preview Bengals at Bucks. We prepare for our nice December trip to sunny Florida. Good weekend for us, Jay. It's supposed to be 60 and raining in Tampa on Saturday. I, I feel like we're getting the short, the short stick there, but uh, still better than here. Much better than here, and I'll take anything. I say, I want to see the water. Yeah. I want to consider shorts. That's all. That's where <laughs> it's at. That's all. That's all I need. It, it was there was actual blue sky <laughs> for about an hour this morning, and it was like, whoa, mm. where am I? This was very. It was very off putting. I need you know, the the two weeks of straight gray had pretty much like become the the new normal. Um, but this will not be gray. We're going to very sunny. Happy place, uh, Tampa, Florida, this weekend. Burrow, Brady, Bengals, Bucks. Bengals trying to get to double-digit wins for the second straight season. A lot on the line, of course. We're going to talk about all of that and more. Uh, we have a bunch of news. Injuries are kind of the news of the week. We'll con- we're going to continue to update and follow those. Uh, I'm going to talk about a story that I put out today, uh, a big project I've been working on for a while on Joe Burrow and the back shoulder. Now, those of you that listen to this podcast have heard about this before. If you remember, this first sparked way back when we had J.T. O'Sullivan on this podcast, uh, who does incredible work at the QB school. Um, And he pointed out that he may be the best to ever do this. Uh, from that point forward, I started asking everybody I could possibly ask about that concept and it unearthed all kinds of stuff. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about more of that and bring you Joe Burrows, uh, very, I thought very insightful answers, uh, when I asked him about that concept, uh, we're going to bring in our good friend Mo Egger. I'm going to make him do the worst radio trope ever just because I like to torture him. Uh, we'll have our three downs in 40 seconds. We'll have our fictional bets. We're going to cover a lot of ground with Mo today, Jay. And uh, then we'll have all of our, we'll discuss the game, Bengals, Bucks, get into the, the logistics of that. We'll have Arby's, Growler Bet, Run Pass or Boot, predictions. And then at the end, the finale was last night, Jay. Survivor talk. The four of you that love hearing us talk Survivor <laughs> are going to love this. The very end. Survivor talk, spoiler alert, will be happening. I know you're excited for that. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Stan. That's right. Okay. It's, it, it's up to five now. Bengals oh, yeah. PR, Emily, yeah, she's 
Shout out Emily Parker. That's right. That's right. She has binged the season. She was ready for the finale so she could listen to us talk about it. In my head, (laughs) that's what it is. Uh, All right. Let's run down the news here, Jay. Um, Let's. And that the news is starting with the injury. I'm just going to start with the injury report. We're just going to roll on down this thing. Um, Two not injury related for rest did not participate on Wednesday. That's Leo Collins and DJ Reader. So no concern there. Other words, otherwise, we have. Hayden Hurst with the calf, doubtful, as we said. Doesn't look like he's going to play on Sunday. Uh, Both slot corners, Mike Hilton and Jalen Davis, did not participate. Trey Hendrickson with that wrist, quote, issue, uh, did not participate. Um, The Trey Hendrickson thing, obviously, I don't... Again, I don't think he's going to play this weekend. There seems to be a con- an idea that they're leaving that door open. I assume just to keep people guessing. There's no reason to do otherwise. Um, but we're going to see. We've talked, you know, we, Jay, you and I talked to a bunch of people about what comes next now. No Trey Hendrickson. He's obviously such a dominant player for them off the edge. Uh, where does it go next? Yeah, and I mean, it's going to come down, you would think, to, to Cam Sample and Joseph Osai, and it's kind of a full circle moment for Joseph Osai where his his first game as a pro, the preseason game in Tampa, where he has that incredible night and then suffers a season-ending injury and loses his whole rookie year. Um, it, it feels like it would be Joseph Osai, but if you look at it and, and Cam Sample's actually been getting more snaps than Joseph Osai. But when you talk about rushing off of that right side that Trey Hendrickson comes off of, Osai's had more snaps over there. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that. Um, you know, they've, they've used Osai inside a little bit. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of both of them um, trying to get some, some production over there because, they're going to have opportunities. It, the, the, the Buccaneers, Tristan Wirth, pro football focus, number two rated offensive tackle. Doesn't look like he's going to play. So there's there's going to be chances, you would think. The rest of that Tampa Bay O line is pretty strong. But uh, Osai and Sample, whoever is in there, are going to be going against the backup. And, yeah, Brady likes to get it out quick. But uh, that, that offense is struggling. He may be tapping the ball. A little bit longer, they're going to have some chances to at least get pressure, if not sacks. Definitely get pressure. I mean, their line their line has struggled um, mm. for long stretches. I mean, you know, when they lost, it started when they lost Kappa and Jensen right off the jump, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Kappa here and uh, Jensen to the the injury right before the season even got going. Uh, they've had all kinds of problems on the other side. Um, there's going to be opportunities certainly for the Bengals to get after him. You know, talking to. Uh, Osai yesterday, and someone brought up like you know next man up mentality, and and Joseph Osai stopped. He said, "Stop." He said, "Cam Sample's next man up." He said, <laughs> "He said respect." You know, it, it was something to the fact of you know respect the, his name now. Cam Sample's the next man up, and so if that gives you an indication <laughs> of at least where Joseph was kind of saying that, uh, expect I would expect to see you know Camp. To me, I think they're a combo play here. Cam yeah. Sample is your more of your your Sam Hubbard type, right? He is more of your, he, he probably can specialize more. He, 
in the run stuff. That's why he's a kick inside guy. So base downs, early downs, maybe you would have sample. And then more pass rushing situations, you would shift over to Joseph Osai, and they can try to combo uh, that fill-in for Trey Hendrickson. That's that's probably the most likely scenario. Maybe they sprinkle in a Jeff Gunter uh, if they if if Osai needs rest because he is also on the injury report in yeah. limited yesterday with the shoulder. You know, he said it's something that he kind of dealt with. It wasn't like a pop back in situation, um, but it was. It is you know something that he's had to work through um, a little bit. Yeah, and it, I mean, it didn't look good when he came off the field, and he was in the blue tent for a really long time, and it was a good sign that he was at least there in a in a limited capacity yesterday. But again, that that kind of lends to what you were saying. Even if he was healthy, I think you still might see the the sample on the base downs, and then Osai just being a third down specialist. And you especially think that they're going to want to try to lighten his load a little bit, just take it easy on that shoulder for another week, and. So a funny story about being in the blue tent for so long, as you mentioned, I talked to him about it. I said, do you own the record now for longest time in the blue tent? <laughs> and he said, well, yeah, I was in there for a while, but it's because they were, it wasn't because they were doing anything specifically to him. They were putting a harness on him, but it had to connect in a certain way to his shoulder pad and the shoulder pads didn't have the holes that they needed. So they lit, they had to drill through his shoulder pads in order to create the holes himself that he needed on the spot. So it was like a pit stop, you know, like he's, yeah. he's here getting like, they were, yeah, exactly. And so he got pit stopped uh, while he was inside the blue tent. And that's why it took so long. It wasn't an efficient pit stop uh, like some of the NASCAR crews do. But uh, anyway, it was, so that was kind of, it was kind of a funny story about why he was in there uh, so long. But we'll we'll see how he does as far as how he plays. Um, you know, the Hilton Jalen Davis thing, um, we'll have to see how that plays out. Hilton with a knee, Davis with a thumb. Man, these fingers. This is <laughs> the extremities yeah. this year uh have been problematic. Uh, Hilton, of course, had surgery and missed the game with his finger. Uh now Davis has a thumb. Of course, Tyler Boyd has a finger. Um so we'll we'll see if if they come back. Otherwise, the slot corner spot would have to switch to Dax Hill you would think at that point who hasn't even repped it in practice yeah and the, the, the curious thing was I, I saw Jalen Davis walking into practice into the bubble into the indoor facility on Wednesday and he was wearing a sling and I thought it was more see I I've never seen a guy wear a sling for a thumb injury um, but that that is that's concerning I, I wonder about Mike Hilton because I I he came back in that game and he played well. He did say that he thought it was serious at first, um, but they got it loosened up and, and got him back in there. He felt much better. Uh, this He was at practice, which is a good sign that he wasn't doing rehab somewhere. It was more just a, a situation with rest. And um, I think it, it seems like there's a good chance that he could be back this week. You would think if he was – if it was a, a long shot, he would not have been there kind of the way Trey Hendrickson was not there at all yesterday. Uh, so Tyler Boyd, um, limited participant, um, he kind of talked about, look, it's a finger, I'm playing. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll see on that. I mean, but he, he's obviously very confident in himself. Good for him. Um, interesting, though, we uh, you asked Brian Callahan about this yesterday, yeah. Jay, and you know, his, let's bring in uh, his response here when talking about the concept of a receiver playing with the finger and what it could mean for Tyler Boyd. 
So when, when you have a guy like TB, when, whenever he can come back and play through this, mm -hmm. how much concern is there? Because he operates in the middle of the field, and mm -hmm. a ball that goes off of his hands is probably going to be a pick. Uh, yeah. How much concern is there with that? that There's always concern with receivers and, and extremity mm -hmm. injuries, you know, just because it's the you can get by as a defensive player and not have to use your hand a lot and not have to, you know, if you don't have to catch the ball, it's not a requirement of the job. Uh, for defensive players, usually you'd like them to catch it, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anytime you're dealing with hand injuries with receivers, it's always um, a little bit concerning on can they effectively do it under contact, under duress. Is a guy's trying to play through his hands? Is he going to be able to be as strong to the catch point? Uh, does the ball? Can he secure the ball? Those things are all questions we're going to have to answer over the course of the week uh, for him. It's always anytime that you have hands, wrists, anything where you're trying to catch the ball, it's uh, it impacts those guys a whole lot more than it would a, an offensive lineman or a, a, a defensive back. It's just that's their that's how they make their money uh, is catching the football. And anytime you have injury, there is going to be a concern until you see otherwise. Are all fingers equal? If you're if you're trying to catch a ball, is there one that's more? That's a great question. That's probably a better question for them. Um, I would say there's there's probably some you can get by without um, or not as prominent. But um, I still think anytime you got hand injury because of the the way you have to catch and guys playing through your hands, it's that's always a concern. I mean, it's it's all good points there, Jay. I mean, it's mm. it's it's a hard thing to do. It is. I mean, you you could talk about pain tolerance all you want, but when that pass hits you, it's it 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 can if the grip isn't a hundred percent, that ball can bounce off your hands, stings a little bit, and a, a a pass that goes up in the air in the middle of the field usually gets picked off. So. You, as he said, you can't adjust and, and have it be more of a end of the body and kind of cradle the catch. You've got to get get your hands out there and get them on the ball. Um, so we'll see. It, it, he, I'm sure he is saying um, it's a finger. I'm going to play. But you, I think you 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 have to wonder what that that's going to look like if his grip's going to be strong enough and, and pain tolerance. To be ready to play is different from pain tolerance from a rifled pass from Joe Burrow hitting you in that finger. Yep. Uh, three others with hamstrings, Dax Hill, T. Higgins, Trent Taylor. Those were all limited. Um, and then nobody wants to see Joe Burrow show up on the uh, injury report, which he did. But it was a full participant, right elbow, but full participant. So just a, eh, my elbow's a little sore. Okay, we have to list you, mm -hmm. is, is the assumption of where that is. But still. Is that the first time we've seen him on the injury report all year, Jay? I think it is. I think it is. I think it is. Compared to last year, where last every year, week, yeah. and it was something different. Pinkies and throats and knees and you yeah. name it. Uh, this year, first time he shows up here is uh, in mid-December, almost Christmas. Uh, Bengals fans certainly taking that. But all, all things appear well with Burrow. There doesn't appear to be an, an issue there. No, and that, I mean that's what <laughs> that that would be a serious serious thing, and we've seen him play through other injuries, but playing through a right elbow if it is serious, that that would be hard to do. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Just to kind of, I want to tie a bow around a topic that is kind of floated around this week, and that was the, the Jermaine Pratt tweets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you went up and just to kind of clarify and talk to Jermaine about that. What, what did he have to say? <laughs> At first, nothing. I went up to him. He was on his phone. I was like, hey, you got a second? And he's like, yeah. I said, I just wanted to check in with you about your tweet. And he just stared at me. He didn't say anything. And I was like, you know the one I'm talking about, right? And he just stared at me. He didn't say anything. And I said, I just want to make sure, you know, sometimes you guys tweet stuff and we think it means one thing. And it actually means something else. And, you know, what 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 did you mean by that tweet? And he said it, it was what he said. It, I want to play third down. That's my mindset. I'm a three down linebacker. I want to play. I'm not too worried about the money. The bag's going to chase you if you do what you need to do. It's more about opportunity. And I love that. That is such a great line. The bag's going to chase you. Um, and I asked him also, you know, what what was the coach's reaction? What did they say to you about? He said they didn't say nothing. So, you know, we talked to Lou Anarumo about it on Monday. He said he kind of he likes that attitude. I'm sure they they would wish he wasn't put out there publicly on social media, but it, it doesn't sound like it's anything that's, you know, going to be a riff or going to be an issue going forward. It's just a guy that, like most guys, wants to play more, wants to be on the field every snap. Doesn't like that he's not playing third down. Yeah. Because it's costing him money. Because the bag isn't chasing him as hard if he's not a three-down <laughs> yeah. linebacker. It's exactly what the f- he's saying. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it's and that's fine. That's fine. He, it's cool that he feels that way. That fire's great. Like Luana Romo said, no problem with it. But that is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Let's not pretend. I think everybody wants to be soft with it. Like, oh, he's not. Oh, he's just saying he just likes. He just wants to get turnovers. No, he's saying <laughs> he's costing them money. That they're not playing on third down, and he's and he wants to play. He feels like he should be playing on third down. That's fine. It's totally cool. But that's what he's saying, and that's what he said to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I mean, he has played really, really well. Yes. And, but I, I mean, they. They what they've got is working on defense, and it is about the rotation. And it, it'll be interesting to see if if there if we see an uptick in third down snaps from him this week. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, the other part of the news that I want to talk about from Wednesday, we talked to Joe Burrow for a little bit more, and you'll hear from him on my topic on the back shoulder in a minute. But uh, for, there was obviously a lot of questions about uh, Tom Brady and Brady versus Burrow and and things like that. And I thought Burrow was great on this. Like, I really, I enjoyed it. Of how many ways can I shut down this topic? <laughs> um, but he, he did it in like a in a very like uh, casual way. Of I, and I just the line that I love is I, I'm Joe, he's Tom, you know, and and that's and that's the extent. Like, stop, he doesn't he doesn't really like the comparison, so I'm sure he loved our piece where everyone compared them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, and it, but it was to the point of him saying, you know, I feel like I'm a lot of different people. Yeah. Those traits that Kevin Falk and Andrew Whitworth and Ted Karras and Alex Kappa uh, and Luana Rumo and all those people that we talked to um, talked about that knew him. 
those are real. Those are those are real things that connect him to Joe Burrow. But so is his, you know, spontaneous playmaking that can be like Josh Allen or his, you know, ability to throw the back shoulder like Drew Brees or his ability to do a lot of different things. He's and that was his point. I, I pull from a lot of different areas and and I feel like I'm Joe, right? And so everybody always wants to paint you into something else. And you know, if there's one thing we know about him, you know, he's very much a one of one. Uh, <laughs> type in many different respects. And and I think that's kind of was his point. Um, there would be no Jersey swaps. <laughs> there will be no, no autographs. There will be no starstruckedness, if you will. Um, he, he, that was a very clear is that this is just another week and he's just another quarterback I'm going against. He loved watching him. He loves watching great quarterback play. He just doesn't want him to play well against them. You know, the interesting thing is he, you say there would be no jersey swap. I mean, it won't be initiated by Burrow. What if Brady asked him? What if Brady has that much respect oh, for Interesting for turn, how, plot twist. I mean, if he if he plays a great game and, and Brady's got to see the writing on the wall, he knows he's at the end of his career and he sees Joe as an up-and-comer, I, I would not put that past him. And maybe Tom does it on the side, like you know, when they like whisper in their ear a little bit so that the, all the cameras can't get everything and they – they don't do it right there on the field, but he says, "I would like to get your jersey. Can you send it to me when you get back to Cincinnati?" I yeah, maybe a maybe a you know in the tunnel or uh, you know maybe a text yeah for a jersey swap. I don't think there would be any the mics that are around everywhere that it would no. be that would be a text uh, situation. I I don't yeah. Burrow says, "I'm not into jersey swaps. I don't do jersey yeah. swaps." So I'd be curious but, what, that. I wish I wish I would have had that follow up because I did ask yeah. him that. Uh, I wish I would have had that follow up. I didn't think <laughs> about it. What if Brady went the other way? Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, <laughs> I have to share this. Jamar Chase was asked. James Repeat had a great question asking him about, uh, uh, you know, the comparisons between Burrow and Brady. And Chase just says, "You know, I heard stories of Brady going off on people." Joe, don't do that. He said, well, he, well what if he did? He said, I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Joe, you know, and that's the point is that's, and I think that's part of Joe's point too, right? Like yeah. I'm very different in some ways. Like I'm the same in some ways. I'm different in some ways. It's all, you know, no more, no more athletic pieces on uh, how I'm like, how I'm like Tom Brady from Joe Burrow. Well, even in, in your piece on the back shoulder where I think it was Dan Pitcher that was talking about how if, if a guy does something wrong on a route in practice, Joe will just pull him aside and say, hey, I was expecting this. You did that. And and he's he's talking through everything. It's not a got to do it this way. It's more of a, a conversation than a command. Exactly. Uh, which is great. Let's 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 talk about it. So um, I spent a bunch of time on this. If you I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, I mean, if you heard J.T. O'Sullivan when we had him on about a month, month and plus ago, he meant he, he said that um, and we talked about why um, he had seen that. And it really sparked this idea. I mean, then I was like, you're right. He might be the best at this. And so I wanted to kind of talk to people that knew about who who have been the best. How did he get good at it? Why, and how is he able to do it to everyone? You know, that was one thing that JT said. He's like, I see him throw him to running backs. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen anyone do that. Like, this is not something that even the best that have ever done it do. I mean, when people talk about the greatest that have done this, Drew Brees is a name that always comes to mind. Um, Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams were absolutely incredible at it. Um, but... You know that was, and Aaron could do it with others, obviously. But they they had they had a special 
connection. It wasn't the whole team. What's made Burrow so good is he does it with everybody. He finds a way to do it with with he's he's thrown one in a big spot to Hayden Hurst, to Trenton Irwin, to T. Higgins, to Jamar Chase a million times, to Chris Evans, to Joe Mixon. Everybody has gotten those and he's worked on it with almost everybody. Uh he's put time and effort into it. And it's really become a secret weapon for him. And here's here's why I really like as I as I talk to people, Jay. Here's why I ended up really liking this project for reasons other than I thought I would. As I talked to more people, I understood how this throw is so such a perfect illustration of Joe Burrow's elite traits, not the beauty and aesthetics of throwing it the accuracy and anticipation that he obviously has, and those are obviously his strong suits, his timing, all that stuff. But the value he places on trust, the value he places on preparation, the value that he places on communication and building relationships with his receivers is at the absolute core of how this route succeeds. You have to have that. He said yesterday, this is the ultimate trust route. And that's why it's perfect for Burrow because that stuff matters to him. He thrives at creating that. He knows how to do it. You mentioned it, Joe. And Pitch said that. It's, he's just got a great way of communicating between reps in the film room. So, guys, there's no gray. Guys know exactly what to do. When to peek back at 10 yards on the conversion route. When... To, you know, to know what even is, what a panicked run is, what a back hip is, what it has to feel like, where it has to go to different guys. And like building that is really been his pet, been one of his pet projects since he got here. He brought it. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like Brian Callahan said, I didn't, this is not something I've ever done like this. He brought it from LSU because he came in and he said he wanted to have these answers. He loved the way he had done it with Chase. And the way that had that chemistry turned into this thing he could always go to for an answer when he didn't maybe necessarily have anything else. That's why I liked it. Because I think it illustrates, you know, what it means to Burrow to play quarterback and build, you know, uh, a chemistry with the people he's playing with, particularly in the passing game. The crazy thing is why don't other quarterbacks do this? I mean, as everybody said, it's it's indefensible. And you, that's the whole point of training camp and going through a season and you build the chemistry with the, these guys. I mean, is it is that the trust, the execution, is it that difficult that other people just don't work on it as much or now does does burrow become a trendsetter and we start seeing a whole lot more of these um i mean everybody does it but it not to the extent that burrow does it and uh this i mean it it, it could end up being his signature i don't know if you say throw or move or just the the, the defining part of his game um, if if other people are going to start follow us and then following that and trying to do it more often because it is it's he, he he does it so much and with so many different people and it's such a part of the offense 
and you see what this offense has become and how well it's worked and it's a copycat league and why aren't is it that hard why aren't other people jumping on board well the answer to the answer to that part i think is simple is that he is so accurate mm. and just not everybody has that ability to be accurate and then you know something that pitch also said was to be accurate in different ways and to be able at the last second pitch is talking to me about it. he's doing it he's like he's got his hand in the air and he's like he's like and you can be here back around your ear in the throw and then at the last second pull the finger just a, down a little bit to get it just to the spot for this guy or for that guy or to be, and he is a master at that to be that just tiny accuracy just and he said it himself, completion percentage, should I should lead the league in every year. I feel like I'm the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. And he is, and that's what – because you have to have there, – there's because a screw-up, a, a ball left a little inside yep. a, <laughs> is a pick. A ball left a little inside is throwing it right to the DB. A ball that doesn't have the proper spot um, is just it's, – it's, it's, a, it's a bad – it's a low percentage throw. It's only a high percentage throw when you have timing, chemistry, and specifically accuracy. And just not everybody has that skill like Burrow has it. Um, and I think that's why not everyone does it. And that's why some of the ones that are that you see that have been so good at it are what? Also the leaders in completion percentage are yeah. also, you know, that that's just who they are as players. Um, and it's a weapon that he has that not necessarily everybody does for that reason. Yeah, I mean, Breeze. Rodgers, the ones that are good at it are they're precise Mahomes. throwers and Mahomes, Mahomes is one yeah. too uh and certainly can can do it and uh it was interesting I, I was sort of talking with Lou Anarumo about it and he's like you know in a lot of ways uh yes it's 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 indefensible with the way Burrow does it like you when, when he's doing it the way he does it like there is nothing you can do it's philosophical as a defensive coordinator you either teach worry about it or don't worry about it like if they're going to take the if you, you just got to give them the first down basically don't give yeah. up the go ball because if you start playing for the back shoulder that's when Jamar's over top of you yep or T and that's the point that's what makes you know how many go balls have this team connected on over the last 2 years how much is that a big weapon for them it's huge the threat of somebody who's thinking about the back shoulder even for a step can be the difference between a touchdown to Jamar down the line or T down the line uh, or not. And so it's, you know, it's philosophical. You just got to say, stay even. Don't worry about the back shoulder. If they throw and hit you a back on shoulder, tip your cap kind of thing. And you mentioned it in the lead of your story, too, where you you always see the DB walking back, just hanging their head. Ripping yeah. their mouthpiece out, upset, and it's and it's <laughs> nothing they can do. But you, these guys are proud, and they if you you hit that a couple times, they want to try to defend it. And like you said, start cheating on that, and it's over the top. So, I want to bring you Burrow talking about it. This was my conversation yeah. with him about it um, on Wednesday. Um, just kind of digging into some of the details of the full, there's obviously a ton more in the full story. Uh, I, I recommend you going, I hope you, hope you go and enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed putting it together, talking to everybody about this. Um, so I hope you go read it, but here's Joe Burrow, uh, talking about how he's become so good at the back shoulder. Uh, many people have suggested to me that you might be the best back shoulder thrower ever. Why do you think that you are so good at that specific throw? Well, I think our receivers are really good at understanding the type of throw that's going to be 
thrown, depending on what the, the defense is getting us. Um, you know, that's not a, a route that you, you go out there and you're like, this is going to be a back shoulder throw. It just depends on the kind of leverage that you're seeing from the defenders. And so we got really good receivers that are doing that. They, they have great body control. And, you know, if we, we throw it on time and, and to the right spot, it's really not, not a defendable route, in my opinion. So it's just something that we've, we've worked really hard on and, and put a lot of emphasis on. It's, it's showing up on tape. Where did you kind of first come up with the idea that you have a knack for this? Because, I mean, uh, Callie was saying that you kind of brought that here from LSU with you. Where, where did you kind of first realize, I might have a knack for this? Well, you know, when you come into the league, you have to you – you got to figure out how to make throws work. You know, not everything – you know, in college you're going to have guys open, a lot of zone coverage, you're seeing the same defense, you know, basically the whole game. When you come into the league and, you know, they're mixing up coverages and, you know, the defenders are – there's a lot of tight windows, so you have to figure out how to make – find completions, really. And and so as a quarterback, you got to learn how to make different kinds of throws and understand when those throws need to be made against certain leverages and different coverages. And, you know, that's, that's one of those that, that we came up with to – Kind of combat that. Did you ever watch Drew Brees do it? He was really good at it. I don't know, you fan of him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one, he's one of the best. Uh, Jamar said that he can recall one time you guys weren't on the same page. One time. He was in Cle- so it was against Cleveland last year. Do you remember that? Are there others that you maybe weren't on the same page with Jamar? Or is it just the one? Um, there's some every now and then. Usually, you know, one a year, maybe. One a year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a favorite or most memorable? One of those that you've thrown that stands out to you that was, you know, or is it just kind of... There's been so many of them, and, you know, really, my favorite ones are the ones that, you know, probably probably the one to Trent Irwin is my favorite against Tennessee. Really? Um, just because, you know, me and Jamar work on it so much, me and T work on it so much, uh, and then, you know, me and Trent had it, you know, we had that that rep and during the week in practice, and... We hit it in practice, and so that was the one rep that we that we got of it, and it shows up in a a big time situation against the Titans on the road to really win the game. We scored a touchdown in the the next play, so that one was fun. Is that big for trust for you? Like, is that where you that throw specifically? You feel like you can really develop a trust in your receivers as you get to know them, like a guy like Trent or like yeah. Aiden when when he first got your eight one against Baltimore. Yep. Is that big for you? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the ultimate trust route. Because you're you're throwing it, expecting that they see the same thing that you see, uh, with because we're, we're getting it out so fast. You know they got to get their eyes around, understanding the leverage of, of the corner that that they're going up against, and you know if they beat them over top, it's going over top. Mm-hmm. And so it's really you really have to be on the same page, and we we've got the guys that understand what we're trying to do. All right, that was Joe Burrow. Uh, I love him kind of confirming what Jamar said. Jamar was like, Jamar says it only one time on the back shoulder split second decision. And I love, and I love like full Jamar quotes where he's always calling me bro. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but he's like, bro, uh, you look, I've been doing this for, for seven years playing football. It's a point two seconds, bro. And so I, I love, I, you know, there's so many things about Jamar. I just love, he's just, he's just a great dude to talk to, but um, him saying, look, once, I think once in his that he can remember that he didn't feel like he was on the same page where Burrow threw it deep and Chase expected the back shoulders last year against Cleveland. So I asked asking Burrow, is that is that right? Is he is he on that? 
He's like something, something like that once a year. I mean, can you imagine a throw <laughs> that that's that hard to be on the same page with with somebody to say, yeah, once a year we miss. <laughs> Love that. Love that from Joe and from Jamar. Uh, so anyway, that story is uh, up on the site. Um, you can go check that out. It's in Twitter. Um, and just go, go to theathletic.com slash Bengals. All right, let's just take a quick break. All right, let's bring in our good friend, Mo Egger. What's going on, Mo? How we doing, guys? What's happening? Doing Not great. Not too much. Thank you for, for altering your schedule. It's Is it weird <laughs> for us to talk on a Thursday? We're Tuesday people. Yeah, no, today's not weird. Tuesday was weird. There was this yeah. uh, huge hole in my life, and so at 10.30 on Tuesday, actually, I just went out and got pancakes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there at 10.15. I'm like, you know what? I got some extra time. I'm hungry. Pancakes. Let's go. Actually, quite enjoyable, I'm sure, and uh, you have now canceled all future uh, visits to this show. Well, no. I might just I might just do this from the place that I get pancakes from. Okay. <laughs> Aren't pancakes the easiest breakfast food to make? Why, why do you go out and get them? Because I'm lazy. <laughs> I disagree. The amount of dishes that making pancakes yeah. causes you've got a you've got the mixing bowl, you've got the griddle if you're using a griddle, you got the mm-hmm. spatulas. I feel like mm-hmm. it makes easy to me is no dishes. <laughs> yeah, I mean if if the option is and I make good pancakes. I make the pancakes or someone makes the pancakes for me. That's usually a pretty easy call. Now you can't do it all the time because somebody making pancakes for you costs money. But on, on the rare occasion that I've got some extra time, I was really hungry. I didn't feel like cooking. Didn't feel like doing dishes, pancakes. Plus I'm home by myself. Whenever I cook anything remotely elaborate, I don't clean up as well as I should, or at least to my wife's standards. So then it becomes a discussion. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. We're okay. been there. I'm not I'm not here to give free promotion, but I will. I don't know what your pancake place is, but Sugar and Spice. Have you been to Sugar and Spice? Phenomenal. 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 Both, both locations. Yes. Yes. Great, great spot Whiskey. to go to. Whiskey it's like a big thinning. treat. When my house goes there, it's like it's it's like Christmas for, it's a for big them. Deal. They love it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is a big deal. Yeah. Uh that's enough free promotion for them. Let's move on. Uh so I said can I just before we get started? I want to ask you about the iHeart Christmas party. <laughs> did they did they bring in a magician? Oh yeah, a yeah, real magician. I, you can yes, I uh, a real magician. <coughs> Keith Moeller is his name. They brought in a magician, and uh, he performed a magic trick on the air, which is wow. great radio. I actually yeah. <laughs> we did do video. It's it's not the greatest, but I did do some video. It's on my Instagram, and then we did podcast the audio. Uh, but yeah, we we had a magician, it, and it was. <laughs> it's the iHeart Media client Christmas party. This isn't uh-huh. for us. No, this isn't not. for the employees. It's for our it's for our clients. And so we had a magician for our our clients. Do you guys get one? Is there a second Christmas party <laughs> with a mime? <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't go to that. Oh man, downgrade. Yeah. Uh there will be a, a <laughs> there will be an unofficial iHeart Media Christmas gathering. That okay. I don't think is going to be sanctioned by the company, and it certainly won't be paid for by the company. But yes, we have. Uh, there's going to be now. How many people show up? I think it might be me and two other dudes. But we've made most of our coworkers aware of. Well, I'll just say this: 
there's an establishment that two of my buddies that I work with and I go on the West side on Thursday nights. We go every Thursday, watch Thursday night football. And we've invited everybody we work with to come join us next Thursday. So maybe they will. They probably won't. But as far as I'm concerned, that is the unofficial iHeartMedia Christmas party. <laughs> well, then there'll be no magicians, which is sad. Um, or maybe I there will know. be. I might, I might ask this guy to go. Keith Moeller, I got his website. I have his card somewhere. I might ask Dude, If I just show, have some tricks. magician that just hangs out near me and does tricks at my command, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, my main thing for him was I wanted to know why magicians are always so well-dressed. Like, magic magicians <laughs> are always dressed like they're going to court. You never see... A, a magician dressed like me, right? There's never a guy in a short and you know shorts and a pair of uh, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and you know sneakers and a ball cap doing tricks. He's always very immaculately dressed, including our our guy Keith Moeller. Should be wearing a hoodie and a hat like the yes. three of us all are right now indoors. Yeah, yeah look at us go. Uh, okay, so I have this this. Uh, I like I like really the worst ideas I can come up with uh -huh. in the Christmas season. And in your business, there is very few things lower and worse <laughs> than the trope of <laughs> give a gift to local sports team, right? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I do this just to torment you. This is how I give gifts. No. I'm gonna add, I'm gonna make you give a gift to the Cincinnati Bengals, Mo. What would you like to give them for Christmas? To the team as a whole? Like to, to everybody? You, you give a gift to anybody. You give one it to that the they Bengals. Share? You can give a gift to a player. You can give you can give anything you want. Money is no object. Can I give money? Can I give cash? Can just I just a gift card to just a gift card to Best Buy? <laughs> um <laughs> so um uh, okay. So I'll do, I guess I'll, I'll do a couple here off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to give Lou Anarumo a head coaching job because I feel like he deserves There you it. go. Um, and, you know, I mean, if you look at the AFC West, th there could be three teams looking for head coaches, depending on how things unfold. Um, I, I don't know that the Chargers would or should move on from Brandon Staley, but it sort of feels like uh, the dude in Denver and and, uh, and Josh McDaniels in, um, in, in Vegas are both on on shaky footing. And so, I mean, to me, if I'm an owner of one of those teams, I want the guy who has the antidote to Patrick Mahomes. That has been Lou Anarumo. And so obviously the Bengals would have to deal with that, but also to a degree, I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, we've talked about how well run the Bengals are. Well, to me, the, the real test of how good your organization is and sustainability is how you handle attrition. That means players who leave and it means coaches who leave and, you know, I watched the Bengals do this in 2014 and 15, right? They lost Hugh Jackson. They lost Mike Zimmer. And over the next two seasons, they won 22 games. So I, I at some point, this franchise is going to be tested by that. But more than anything, I've watched a defensive coordinator who, for my money, has, has turned into one of the league's best. He's done great work here. So I'm gifting him a head coaching job. I'm gifting Jesse Bates the sort of free agent deal he seeks. Um, he's played well. Uh, in recent weeks, um, it certainly doesn't. I don't want to revisit the whole Jesse Bates franchise tag. I don't think any of us do, but but I'd I'd love to see him get what he desires and prove that he's worth that kind of deal. Uh, so I would I would certainly like to have that happen uh, for him. Um, what else? What else? Who else should we be giving gifts? Do you have to any him? gifts? Do you have any gifts, Jay? Do you want to give a gift? Yeah. Well, uh, how about this? I'll I'll, I'll have one. 
and then you guys decide whether the Bengals should take it, okay. re-gift, re-gift it, Ooh. or Ooh. Re- return it. And I would Ooh. give them a time machine to go back and start the season over. Because you think, knowing what they know now, they would have a very good chance to win week one, week two. This looks totally different. But then you have the variable you, you don't know. Are there going to be more injuries? Or are there going to be other things that happen? Would are should they be happy where they are right now, nine and four, or would a complete do-over be something that they should be interested in? Where do you buy a time machine? Well, okay, this is all hypothetical. <laughs> okay. Oh, did it know? <laughs> because I can be honest with you, if, if if time machines are available, I'm not really interested in football at all. There's lots no. of other. Things. <laughs> uh, I'm. You can take the. You can uh, take the time machine, and you can. Uh, Push it over the Clint Eastwood ravine. Uh, I think for me, I don't. I don't want it. If I'm the Bengals, I don't no, want it. No, not at all. I'm very happy with where you're at and where you sit and how the team is currently constructed and where I think. I think this is ideal. You'd, you'd love to have had that week one, right? I mean, mm. you'd love for the 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 chip shot or the PAT to have gone through, and you feel that much more different at ten and three, one game lead, all that stuff. But it didn't happen. You learned from it. And they're in a good place. I don't think you want to change anything right now. I wouldn't change a thing. Yes, would love to have won week one, would love to have won week two. Certainly, you would love to be 13-0. But if you're telling me I can go back and then I don't know how things unfold from there, I I love how this team is currently constructed. I like how they're playing. And they're reasonably healthy for this time of year. Obviously, you know, they've got to get Trey Hendrickson back. And there's uh, been some questions about the health of the wide receivers, but their depth has been tested time and again. And this team keeps uh, passing that test. I I wouldn't sign up for a do over at all. Give me where they are right now. If you would have, you know, we always do like, well, what if I would have told you back then? If you would have told me um, after the Pittsburgh game, they're only going to lose three more times. They're going to go into the final four games with a five game winning streak. Uh, Every offensive lineman will have posted. Uh, They'll have had no significant injuries there. Here's what the health status of this team is going to be. They're going to be going into the last four weeks of the regular season with one starter hurt and out for the season. I I think I would have signed up for that. Um, And so, yes, I I wouldn't take the the, the time machine. Now, if you're giving me the time machine and I can go back and uh, redo any dozens of things in my life. Well, that's an, that's an entirely different podcast. But uh, this season, no. I, I we we've talked a lot about the Bengals over the last week or so about how how well positioned they are. Okay, well that takes into account what they were at the beginning of the season. There's no guarantee if we go back in time and do things over that they're going to be as well positioned today to compete for a championship as they are right now. And the idea is to compete for a championship, and so. I'm not doing anything that would uh, potentially alter that over the uh, a redo of the the first 14 weeks. This Mo has sparked an idea for me. You mentioned a oh. completely different podcast. Yeah, I think you have you have the Mo Egger podcast, which I'm excited for the second season of. Yeah, uh, but I think that you have a podcast just called the worst decision of my life and you have <laughs> and you have bring on different guests and they tell you and explain the worst decision of their life why it was so bad what they were thinking of the time at the time the fallout i think this is fantastic 
Yeah. I, I, That's got a lot of potential. I, I have some people who have intersected their lives with mine who we could probably have on. <laughs> Which uh, say that choosing I, to I, be I, as close to you as they were, we yeah, call it the dis- yeah. worst decision if, of their life. If we could go back in time and the moment you met me, you would have walked out of the room, would you have? Yes. I was I was thinking you were going to go like, we could do a serial podcast called Do-Overs, where I, I did like 12 episodes on the, the 12 things I would like to do over most. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 12 would, would there be multiple seasons i i yeah we'll see if we can get that off the ground i like the worst decision of my life that's how it's a catchy <laughs> podcast headline that can draw mm. the people in i wow. like it not wow. not quite as as catchy drawing people in as the mo egger podcast uh <laughs> <laughs> but still very catchy and I, I like it um we got to play our game uh, 40 second clock, three downs with you, of course. Oh, sorry and, I sucked at that little exercise. I, I wasn't ready to give no, gifts. I, it was, it's meant to suck. It's a terrible thing to oh, do. It's oh, why it, I oh, did it. Did. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there, it's no surprise there. But I, of course, do have uh, our handy-dandy 40 second clock and three downs of three random topics that you are unaware of that you need to hit the post on you get you are the time management common sense coach so you should be able to handle this uh with relative ease mo are you ready i hope our can, can we get a clock graphic on this no no i still we're gonna be still, still doing, doing this again okay yeah, we're gonna be doing the phone yeah. again it's way yeah. better thank you're the better all right here we go <laughs> topic one is crosstown shootout major takeaway uh, better team one. I I don't know. I don't know that Xavier's defense is good enough for them to have the sort of season that Musketeer fans are looking for. As for the long term impact on the Bearcats, if in six weeks what they did in the second half proves to be something that they built upon, that's that's terrific. Um, I, it, there's such a finality to that game that it always feels like God. Where do we go from here? I like how the Bearcats bounce back and played against Miami, who's dreadful defensively. This team can't lose before the Houston game. I still think they're the third best team in the American Athletic Conference. Wow, just under the wire. Perfect. Perfect. Well done. Good start. Good first down for you. Mm. Uh, The late audible by getting into Miami's dreadful defense at the last (laughs) second. Awful. Uh, but I thought, <laughs> but Awful. I thought it was well terrible. Done. All right. Travis Steele would tell you that they are terrible defensively. <laughs> All right, and the uh, metrics second, all say as much. Go ahead. S- second down here uh, for you. Let's go with Major League Baseball's spending spree means what for the local outfit? I don't know that it means anything because it, fe- it, it feels to me like the Reds would have sat this offseason out regardless of what everybody else did. Uh, my large sort of takeaway is what was the point of last year's lockout? Because you're seeing the financial inequity in the sport widen, right? At least in terms of what teams are spending. I thought the lockout that was happening a year ago at this time was 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 supposed to help solve that. It has not. You have owners who are crying poverty and talking about how they hate the current system, locking in players for over a decade. What was the Five point seconds. of last year's lockout? It doesn't make any sense. As for the Reds, they weren't going to do anything this offseason regardless. Wow. Uh-huh. Quick sneaking it in right at the end <laughs> under the wire. Well done. Uh, I mean, hmm. the, the, the I would just say the gap widening is obviously awful when you consider the perspective that the local outfit has about how they should be spent. I don't know how you get people excited about the 2023 season. I mean, we're just yeah. going to 
show highlights of Ella De La Cruz playing in the minor leagues on the on the big board at GABB? <laughs> I think so. Like, I mean, there's there are a lot of players worth being excited about in in the minor leagues, but I mean, how do you get people excited for? The, I I asked people at Reds Fest who work for the Reds. I'm like, how you how you planning on selling this? And and the response was. Mm. Dollar beer night. <laughs> Worst right, decision of your life. We could get Phil Castellini on. Do you regret <laughs> sitting next to me on opening again? Day? Another person that should have walked away from you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Third down. Forty seconds are uh, are on the clock. Brady versus Burrow. Excitement level. Go. Ten, because it's not Brady versus Burrow so much as it is the Bengals taking with the pot with a chance to take a major step toward winning the AFC North, uh, moving up in the overall AFC standings, and taking a step toward winning a championship. But I'm a big Tom Brady fan. I'm obviously a big Joe Burrow fan. Uh, you guys have written about this this week. This this is the quarterback that Joe Burrow has most often been compared to. I hate the it feels like a torch passing. But there is an element to that. These two guys juxtaposed against each other is going to be a ton of fun, and I can't wait for the game on Sunday. Boom. Perfect. Three for three. What a pro. What an absolute pro you are. Because we live in this day and age of contrarianism, where if I say, like, if it's a 77-degree day, not a cloud in the sky, and I go, man, what a beautiful day outside. Well... It'd be kind of cool if there were some clouds. So the other day on my show, I said, I said, uh, you know, Tom Brady, I just met, said this offhand. I, I didn't turn it into a topic, but I said something to the effect of, you know, it's Brady versus Burrow. Uh, Tom Brady, it's it's one of the more unbreakable modern records in sports because nobody's going to be a quarterback in 11 Super Bowls. Like, sorry, uh, do I hope Joe Burrow plays in like 15 Super Bowls? Yes. Am I betting against that? Yes. So I just said, I mean, it's remarkable. He's played in 10 Super Bowls, much less one. And I think I was making the point, like, I think Brady's kind of ruined it for all these younger guys, because now if you're like Mahomes or Burrow or Allen or Hertz and you win two, which is a remarkable career, there's going to be this like, yeah, yeah, but Brady won seven because I've watched how we do this with basketball. And so I, I then do what I shouldn't do. I go home, right? Go home on Tuesday night. I'm having dinner. And uh, I, I look at my phone, there's Twitter. And, and I got folks challenging me at the suggestion that, uh, nobody's ever going to play quarterback in 11 Super Bowls. Okay, fine, fine. You, <laughs> you you put your money on a quarterback playing in 11 Super Bowls. I got mine on nobody playing in more than 10. Let's see how this <laughs> unfolds over the next uh, 15 to 20 years. Like, how do you challenge that? How are you like, well, actually, you know, I think Mahomes can play <laughs> in nine. He's not going to. It's unbreakable. <laughs> and then that turns into this stupid conversation about, well, you know who has the most unbreakable record in sports? Cy Young had 752 complete games. Like, no, modern. Sorry. Just, just you know let what? that statement sit. Nobody's we, playing at 11. We have to permanently move you to Thursday. You're much angrier later yeah. in the week. Well, there's there's been an accumulation of things that happened during right. the week that it we catch you way too early. Of, I didn't realize that how much this grows as it as it goes on. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. let's very quickly so we don't take any more of your time. Run through bets, uh, Jay. I know you have some gloating that you want to do. I do. I, I I hit a parlay finally last week. I went Bengals minus six under forty seven and a chase anytime TD. I put fifteen on that and hit it, so I'm back in the positive now. My Yay, other parlay, Jay, the positive. <laughs> my other parlay was a four, just a regular four team, did not hit. 
Uh, Paul put 19 of his 20 units on Jets plus nine and a half. 20 to 12. He barely got that one, but he won. A sneaky field goal, Robert <laughs> Sala. I see you, son. <laughs> and then uh, your one unit was on Bengals Browns over 47, did not hit. Uh, Mo lost 10 units on Vegas minus five and a half. Tip of the cap to Baker Mayfield. And uh. then Bill, uh, Mo's other bet was a $10 unit future bet on Joe Burrow MVP at plus 800. So we will wait like and that see one how that one. I don't yeah. like that, that, that one. So took a hit. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still time. Still time. And but. what's funny is I listened to Paul right before the game on the Bengals mm. radio network and I mm. felt even better. Yeah. And then I <laughs> no, saw what Jalen Hurts did. Then Jalen Hurts went and posted like a 50 burger. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go with this. But what do you got this week, Mo? All right, uh, I get odds here, plus 250, Bengals to win both halves, which means they have to outscore the Buccaneers in the first half and the second half. If they do that, they're obviously going to win the game and uh, and most likely cover the number. But the the I like the value. The Bengals are the better team. And, and in 2022, they have the better quarterback. Understand, Joe Burrow hasn't accomplished a fraction of what Tom Brady has. We, we all understand that. Because he's not going to play in eleven Super Bowls. Why do you hate Tom Brady? <laughs> but 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 he is he is the better quarterback. Um, and so I, I like this value here. They've got to outscore the Buccaneers by a point in both halves. I think they do. Plus two fifty Cincinnati to win both halves. I'm going back to a well that I went to two weeks ago, which was that uh, Giants Commanders game. I did the under. Uh, the game ended in a tie. The New York Giants were throttled last week. Since 2003, teams that lose by 20 or more points cover the next game 55% of the time. Good <laughs> enough for me. There's no reason for Washington to be laying four and a half points against an opponent they just tied with. I know they've been better with uh, Taylor Heineke. Uh, their defense is very good. But I'm going to get four and a half points with a team that Vegas is overreacting to against an opponent against whom they tied. Give me the Giants plus four and a half. I will go 10 units each. Okay. Um, my Bengals bet. I'm going under 44. I just, th that Tampa Bay defense is legit. Um, and I, I, the, the Tampa Bay offense is just, it's bad right now. It's not just Brady. They can't run the ball. They no explosives. Uh, the Bengals defense is playing really well. I just, I see this being a, a lower scoring game. So I'm, I'm going to go 12 on that. Uh, I'm going to go eight on another parlay. Let's stay, stay with it. Try to build this back up. Um, <laughs> Baltimore plus it. three at Cleveland. I just, I, I, I know Bengal fans are rooting for Cleveland to win that game and the Bengals possibly to jump into first place all by themselves. But I just, I think Baltimore is going to find a way at Cleveland going jets minus one. I don't trust the lions. The lions have an incredibly hot defense, terrible or offense, terrible defense, Dome teams going on the road in December. I don't have the numbers on that. I can't imagine it's very good. And then uh, Atlanta plus four. Desmond Ritter show uh, the wild card there. The Saints just have not been impressive at all. Um, I, I don't know that they win that outright, but I think they can keep it within a field goal. Okay. Um, my uh, I will bet with the trend. And that is the Bengals are an NFL best ten and three against the spread this year. The Bucks are an NFL worst three nine and one against the spread this year. Bengals uh, cover. I'll take that for half. And the other half, Saturdays with three games are just built for three-way parlays, are they not? Yeah. 
why else wouldn't you do this? Vikings minus four versus the Colts. Bills minus seven versus Miami. And Browns on the money line against the Ravens. Jay, we have the early morning flight. We're landing in Tampa at 9 a.m. That sounds like a nice full day of hanging out by the water, watching this very fictional thing come to fruition uh, and and just calling it a, a nice well, night. I one of my, one of the, the the greatest joys as an NFL fan is that first Saturday when there's games. But mm. if you're going to do this, why not live a little and take the two points with the Kerry Combs led Bearcats in the first <laughs> ever Wasabi Fenway Bowl? Yeah, at Cincinnati and Louisville battle for the keg of nails. If you're, I mean, if you're going to do this, at least localize a little bit and and take uh, take I'll my pass. beloved Bearcats. I'll pass. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> too many too many variables far too many variables for well, me to think? embrace that one i mean i i went to practice the other day and like everybody's wearing different numbers i what the hell was going on yeah this is this is a fascinating sporting event though on saturday and and uh i can't wait to can't wait to watch it mo this has been fabulous uh i look forward to us launching the worst decision of my life podcast um it's going to be this is going to be the moment where our lives changed because we're going to be rich brady is going to get the ball like minute and a half to go down four right (laughs) and if he comes through which one of you is going to be is going to be tasked with writing the you know teacher teacher gives the mentor a lesson piece is that it's me we know that's and then what is the opposite of like what what is the opposite if he throws like a game ending pick? You're like Cam Taylor Britt picks him off and Brady uh walks off the field sulking at forty five years yeah. old. That's still it, me. Looks, I, I'm on Brady <laughs> Watch this week. Brady? Okay. Yeah. Brady Watch. I can't wait. Brady Watch right there. I'm pointing in the right direction. Awesome. It's very weird because it's very that's what I thought. All right. Um, Brady Munch, like goodbye. See you guys. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> All right, Jay. Deep breath. <laughs> we got some stuff done in that segment now we did i love the idea i love the idea of that podcast my worst decision yes. my worst decision ever i love it i mean I'm, imagine any anybody there you can go any direction celebrities non-celebrities just really bad decisions like i i'm i'm on board with this i'm gonna be a little distracted for the rest of the show because there's a lot to go through what, what would be the one i would pick can you just can you just do a swath from like your freshman year of high school through your last year at OU? Can you just can you just broad brush that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably <laughs> I could probably do my worst decision of January ninety, my worst decision of February ninety. I, I mean, there, there's a lot I could go through. You got to pick from the worst. That's the point of the pod. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of worst decisions, it's Arby's time, Jay. Uh, let's go in. Uh, it's it's any related Bengals insight, extras, and stories. Uh, what do you got? So I, I found this funny. Uh, yesterday I was going walking over to practice, and it's raining, and all the players are standing there waiting for the bus to come get them, so I have to kind of squeeze between them. And I was like, I wonder if I can beat them there. And I – they, the bus was pulling in as I approached the indoor facility. And anybody that's ever been through a revolving door knows how long the process can be. So they're all coming off the bus in the rain, and they're just waiting in line in the rain for their turn to go through the line. And I look in, and there's one player standing on the bus just waiting. Like, I'm not going to go stand in the rain and wait for the 
revolving door. He, he waited till the entire line went down and then just shot in there. And it was uh, it was T. Higgins. And I, I told him what a veteran move that was. He just kind of chuckled and went in. And uh, I, of course, did not jump in line with the players. I stood in the rain and, and waited till they were all in there. I know. I was trying in my head to guess who it would be. I was thinking DJ Reader. <laughs> DJ Reader feels like I ain't saying no rain type of guy. Well, he was he was on the first bus. I don't know if they do uh, offense, defense, how that works, but there was the one bus was already gone, and the second bus came, and yeah, and, and I, I, for people that know where these, uh, where the indoor facility is in relation to the stadium, it's very close. It's a very easy walk, but you don't want the players out there making that. It's long enough where if they start walking it every day, then you got fans bothering them, ch- chirping at them. So that that's why they ride the bus. It's not. I can't believe these professional athletes are too lazy to walk three quarters of a mile to get to, to the indoor facility. Uh, all right. That's good. Um, I, I, so I have, a, it's an extension of a previous Arby's for one of them. And that is, so remember when I talked to you about uh, how Duke Tobin made the joke to me about uh, the game balls and how the personnel <laughs> staff never gets any of the game balls. This is from two or three weeks. It was after the Tennessee game when they gave away a mm-hmm. million of them. Um, the press conference is over, but I just kind of wanted to give Zach Taylor a hard time. And I was like, so I don't know if there's anybody left in the building that you haven't given a game ball to yet. I said, but what? Because he spent a lot of time in this press conference talking about the personnel staff and how good they had of a job they had done. So what, what does the personnel staff have to do to get a game ball? I think they're the only ones that haven't gotten one. And he, he sort of, you could tell he was like, oh no, you're putting me on the spot. Like he's been hearing this, right? <laughs> and he, he said, you know, somebody's been talking to you. <laughs> somebody's been talking to you. You've been seeing something out of practice. And he pointed out like, look, all those Tennessee game balls haven't been, been given out yet. So, you know, give me time, give me time. I think he was hedged. I think he was, he was backpedaling hard. Mm. I, think he's, I think he was, I think he was, he's been hearing it and uh, backpedaling pretty hard. I said, it might be time to start giving out game balls in free agency or the draft yeah. season. Because if they're not going to get any at this time of year, when Trent and Irwin help save your season, I I don't know when else they're supposed to get one. But hard backpedal from from Zach Taylor when yeah. I when I pressed him on it, and he knew, he knew I knew something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he knows it's on video, so I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he says personnel staff in the post the next win, the yeah, post game yeah, celebration, ne- next win. You know, you got to feel like it's going to go directly. <laughs> to, to everybody on the personnel staff that's there um uh that uh, the other the other one i wanted to point out was there this happened i mean there's always a lot of these I mean, we, we remember games we're idiots like that jay we remember so many games from the past bucks Bengals have a great lineage of outstanding ridiculousness uh the justin smith coddle game yeah. Uh, happened. Coddle him to the ground. Coddle him to the. What am I supposed to do? Coddle him to the ground. The uh, <laughs> the unsportsman like roughing the passer that that cost them a game. Uh, in Tampa, the Andy Dalton vomit fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2014, where he was he was really sick and played terrible the first half, and he was like vomiting into garbage cans in the tunnel, and then he came back and battled back in the second half for a 14-13 win. The last game in Cincinnati was the Flamus Winston four interceptions, then the wild comeback, and then the the final connection essentially of the A- Andy Dalton and AJ Green era. 
where AJ got hurt winning the game in the final seconds for them, and he never really kind of ever recovered. He didn't really come back the rest of the year, and then he hurt himself at the beginning of the next year, and he was never really the same. It was kind of the last big moment of Andy and AJ and of that season. There was also uh, way back in the 90s, the Buccaneers came to Cincinnati and beat the Bengals 35 to nothing, and Carl Pickens danced and sang off the field, this is it. I mean, he knew it was over. <laughs> he was ready to get out of town, and it was it was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, so, yeah, there are. And then, I mean, even that preseason game with the, the Joseph Osai game uh, in the in the preseason, there's there's been some very, very – for teams that only play every four years, uh, There's there's been some good history. Okay. We'll see. Uh, maybe it will continue uh, on Sunday. So let's talk about that game a little bit. Um, Jay, what, what – I mean – deciding factor for you what's it going to come down to um I, I think pressure on Brady he's obviously no quarterback likes to get hit but he he his production definitely goes down when he's when he's getting hit when he's got guys in his face that that offense it's just I mean Mike Evans uh, Julio Jones yes he's older but you they should be much more productive and they're not and I just I, I feel like if the the Bengals can get pressure on Brady, and even if they're not getting sacks, just force the checkdowns. That that offense, there's no explosion in that Tampa Bay offense, and and I feel like Burrow and the Bengals offense is good enough to to put up some points. And if if they can hold Tampa Bay in that you know twenty one or below, they'll they'll be in good shape to win the game. Yeah, I mean that's always it, right, with Brady. It's 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 all the way back to when their teams were cooking. You know, the only thing that kept them from winning the Super Bowl was if you could hit them, and yeah. uh, even more so now. So yeah, I'm with you. I think that's going to be the key. Guys like Reader, guys like Hubbard. I mean, those guys are going to have to uh, make make a big impact. And you know, Vita Vea, will he play in this game? I don't know. Doesn't uh, sound like that it. Doesn't sound like it. I mean, that's big. Because he's so disruptive up the middle, and he could really be uh, a problem. The Bengals should be able, uh, I think, to move the ball, but it's really going to just be about. I think there's a, there's going to be a Tennessee-ish game plan here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still just a team that struggles offensively. Just don't hand them points. Keep it relatively safe. Take your checkdowns. You know, take the points. Things like that, and and don't focus so much on on trying to be super aggressive or anything like that don't turn it over and that really you know the tennessee the pittsburgh game plans Mm -hmm. um i think those kind of play out here more than your kansas city game plan which was get off the bus trying to score points yeah and the other thing i mean i agree that that's going to be the game plan but the, the difference with tennessee and tampa bay Tampa Bay has the number 32 rushing offense in the league. And even if you don't want to go by total yards, you want to go by DVOA, they're 30th. They just cannot run the ball. And the Bengals with reader back are really, really good at stopping the run. That's why I think this could be a game where you see Brady drop back 50 times and it's, and he's going to have to dink and dunk his way down the field. Going to be interesting to see how often he goes at Cam Taylor Britt. You know, Lou Anaruma talked about how much he sees a, a rookie out there. He starts licking his fingers and and, and goes at him. And um, this this could just be a continuation for Cam Taylor Britt of building on what he did last week. Absolutely, could be. Um, you know, Brady 
the last two weeks, Jay. 54 passes against New mm-hmm. Orleans, 55 passes against San Francisco. You can't run it. 43 uh, against Cleveland in week 12. Uh, in week nine, 58 passes against the Rams mm-hmm. in a win. Um, it's all they've got. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been over outside of a game against Seattle where he was 22 of 29. He's been over 40 every week since week three, and he's been over 50 four times. Five times. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. That is absolutely wild. The 49ers game makes sense because they were getting blown out 35-7. The Saints game was a tight game, and it it came down to a a final classic Brady drive. Um, But, yeah, to throw it that many times in a game that's that tight, that that shows you what they think of their run game. And now what are you starting to see? You're starting to see – you know, the wear and tear on that. Now you're seeing interceptions from Brady, mm-hmm. which you just don't see. He's got four in the last four weeks. I mean, you talk about things that don't happen. Um, he, does, he he always gets to 10 wins, and he doesn't throw interceptions, yep. and you're seeing it all kind of fall apart. But just when you think things are falling apart, it's on to Cincinnati, isn't it, Jay? So yeah. better watch yourself. All right, let's get into it. Um, Growler bet. Bengals Growler Bet. Of course, you can send that hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter or send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com, with your answer with the word Growler somewhere in your subject header. The funnier, the better. We've been giving good shout outs. There's been some really good ones. Thank you to those that have been, uh, um, which last week I didn't. Did I do the shout out for you? I don't, don't think live, you did. No. Uh, you don't live in Growler. I liked for the Battle of Ohio last week. I liked. I, I liked that. Um, there was there was like a couple other really good ones um, that I won't say, uh, <laughs> but I appreciated them. I certainly appreciated. Them, so keep them coming. Um, all right. I think we're going to keep it simple this week for the Growler mm-hmm. bet this week, aren't we? Simple uh, and obvious. Simple and obvious. It's going to be Tom Brady versus Joe Burrow passer rating. Pick your pony and the differential. Tom Brady versus Joe Burrow passer rating differential. Pick your pony and the number. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I just think uh, if if Brady's going to be throwing that many times, there's there's going to be more chances for there to be picks. There's not going to be a lot. that It's, it's going to be a lot of shorter passes. That, that leads to a lower passer rating. Um, I, I think Burrow's going to win this. Pretty easily. I'm going to go Burrow by 33.3. Do you know how many times uh, Brady has been over 100 passer rating this year? I'll say three. Two. Two <laughs> times. The Seattle game where he only threw the 29 passes, 22 of 29 uh, for 258. And then a win, the loss, a loss to Kansas City, 41 to 31. Uh, where he was 39 of 52 for three touchdowns and no interceptions. That's it. You know how many times Joe Burrow has been over 100? 10? 7. Okay. 7. Um, he's been he's had a couple that are in the, those 90s. Um, but seven, 7 times over 100 passer rating. Pretty much every game he doesn't throw an interception. <laughs> uh, almost. Uh, so... For that fact, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Burrow by twenty two point four. That's my answer. Twenty two point four. Okay. 
Burrow by tw- plus 22.4. Um, all right. So at, at Paul Daner, at P. Daner at The Athletic. P. Daner at The Athletic. I can say it. I know I can get there. Uh, <laughs> and hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. Give us your answer. Bye kickoff on sunday and some delicious 50 west beer can be yours uh look forward to that we're gonna need to get out there again soon jay yes maybe a playoff preview my brain and my texts have been moving lately on that Mm. that's all i'm gonna say okay that's all i'm gonna say the wheels are in motion things are happening seinfeld reference for you uh okay let's go run passer boot jay you got a pretty good i think this is this is this isn't this is pretty good yeah uh brady centric what what comes first in the game a brady interception a brady gets sacked or a brady touchdown pass okay the last four games he has been sacked five times thrown four interceptions and nine touchdowns so I'm going to run uh, with Brady touchdown. I am going to pass on Brady's sack, and I'm going to boot Brady pick. Yeah, I, I booted the pick as well, but I flipped the other two. I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see if they stick with the four-man rush and just try to get pressure on him and or if, if they try to blitz Brady. I mean – you you Ooh. mentioned it that they, they <laughs> it, it's dangerous, but yeah. if you start hitting him early, um, and you have faith in your offense that even if even if he gets you on one or two early, it's not going to be a shootout game. This isn't going to be a high scoring Tampa Bay offense, and you have faith in in the Burrow and the Bengals offense can can come back from an early deficit. I it wouldn't stun me to see Lou dial up some pressure early just to kind of send a message. So I'm going to run with with the sack, pass on the touchdown pass, and boot the pick. All right. The, we chalk those up. We will come back after those uh, next week and check in how they went. Uh, let's get into prediction, Jay. What do you got? Yeah, I keep going back to it. I just I don't think that the, the Buccaneers can score a lot. They do have a really good defense, and um, I, I think that the, the Bengals are going to Struggle to get a lot of points. I, I see it being a low-scoring game. The Andy Dalton puke fest was fourteen to thirteen, <laughs> if I remember. The the uh, coddle to the ground game might have been fourteen thirteen as well. That was a really low-scoring game. Seems like when they go to Tampa, those are the games they play. A uh, little bit higher scoring this time. I'm going Bengals twenty, Buccaneers sixteen. Twenty sixteen. You're the same score as the Tennessee game. I see Tennessee mm-hmm. game plan. Okay. Um, I think the Bengals will score some, though. I mean, I know I I just think their offense it doesn't really matter who's on the other side. They're gonna they're gonna find a way to get some, no matter who. I mean, we'll see with T and, and TB and how this all plays out. They still got Jamar. Um, their running game's going really well, especially no no Vea hurts them. Um, so, I mean, the last five games on this five game win streak, the Bengals have scored at least twenty every single time. And, you know, they've been 42, 37, 20, 27, 23. The Bucks over the last five games, have 16, 21, 17, 17, 7. Hmm. 
These are let's take away the names. Let's take away the history. Let's take away everything else. Two teams, blank slates. You know, the Bengals are just so much the better team. They're playing so well right now. You know, Brady can make things happen. And certainly, you know, the things like the wild comeback against New Orleans are the only things keeping them from a three-game losing streak. Um, I, I don't see Joe Burrow opening the door like the Saints did. I don't, you know, they're they're just playing too well. I think they're playing at a level right there along with San Francisco right now who just took them behind the woodshed last week. I don't know that they're going to take them behind the woodshed, but I do think they're going to win. I think it'll be handily. Bengals 28, Bucks 17. It's my final. Uh, all right. I want to th- say thanks, everybody, for listening to that part of the podcast. As so we've finished, wrapped, talking about all things Bengals Bucks. We'll have the walkout, of course, from Tampa on Sunday night. Wrap that up for you. No, um, no live room on Monday because we'll be traveling back in the process of doing all that, getting back from uh, Florida. So, um, But we'll have walkout. We'll be waiting for you uh, for your consumption. Now, spoiler alert, the most important part of the podcast that four of you have been, <laughs> five now, five, five of you have been desperately waiting for. Uh, the rest of you, uh, have a good one, everybody. Uh, <coughs> it's Survivor Talk time, Jay. The finale was last night. For, before we get into the finale, what was your overall thoughts on the season? Top t- top percentile, middle, or bottom? Th- top third, middle third, bottom third, uh, all time for you. Because you've never missed an episode. I have not ever. I'm, I. It's hard to rank them because there's so many now and they all go together. And um, I, I would I would say definitely top third, um, maybe top eighth. It was it was really really good. I it started slow. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday in the media room, how they they're they're more focused on the character development now. And you're starting to see them do the things they never used to do where they'll they'll it's, it's almost like the American Idol thing where they're they show pictures of their past and kind of give you a glimpse into who they were before they came on the show. And I I think that's an, an important important element as the season goes on um, there. There weren't as many wow moments last week. Obviously there was that the Jesse knocking out Cody was huge. It was, that was great. And Cody's reaction was great. Um, but overall, um, not really getting a feel for where things were going. I, if I had to, I used to play in a survivor league and you would predict the, the boot each week. And, um, if I, if I had to do that this year, I I doubt I would have got too many, right. I, a lot of them kind of surprised me, um, so for that aspect of it, I, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was, it was a top tier season overall. Um, as hard charging up the rankings as a last four episodes can be yeah. like it was, it was very good. I was liking the season. It was very totally good. Like it was great, but the last four episodes were just outstanding on every level. I mean, that was one of the most interesting I usually hate the final tribal where they're pleading their case and the and the questions are being mm-hmm. asked. Uh, oftentimes it feels, you know, like it's already been been decided and it's over and it's just like just yeah. a matter of function. Here it's it turned the tide and you got to finally hear this like great Gabler story and Ala Gabler and like all the stuff from him about the game that he played and and why it maybe was a lot better than people were giving it credit for and then to have it be a near unanimous 
uh, vote for him where I thought it was Cass's in the bag coming into too. it. And I think she, you know, I, I think he talked his way into it and she talked her way out of it, not understanding that her biggest move wasn't even her move, that it was ride or die, right? I mean, that that was a major malfunction in her for her. Um, maybe a million dollars screw up in, in claiming that as her major move. And so... But I, you know, what happened with Jesse, like the whole Jesse from the moment he, you know, turned the screws on Cody till his elimination um, on the fire making, like his raw emotion that he played with, how much it meant like that is stirring television, man. That is I don't care. Talk about reality TV, talk about sitcoms, talk about dramas, talk about movies. It doesn't matter. That is that is truly stirring television to to watch him in those mo- in all of those moments really run run the roller coaster of emotions that he went through and then the realization at the end and to get Gabler giving all his money to the veterans yeah. like I just I loved everything about these last few episodes um I wish it could have been the best season ever if like the middle that middle three pack of like when they went from about the merge to about eight seven mm-hmm. like were there was no action. Those were really dull. They were too dull. There wasn't a whole lot of action. If they could have gotten more motivated, more action to happen in the middle, this could have been one of the best seasons there's ever been. But it was certainly one of the best finishes, the last string of episodes uh, we've ever seen. And congrats. Like it was cool watching Gabler kind of come up there and get the win at the end. Yeah, I did. I did not watch the reunion show. As soon as they announced the winner, I turned it off. And um, so I haven't seen that part. Two things. The the you're right. The Jesse emotion it was it was stirring, and a lot of people and you saw Owen do this when he got beat when Carla beat him to the to the advantage and just the anger and throwing stuff and and he as a former game gang member I I thought would just be pissed and in that moment and kind of have that explosion and it wasn't it was all sunk sunken in and withdrawn and just within himself and the tears and what it meant and it's like. You you almost want to like put your arm around me like look buddy it's gonna be okay you're you you've got out of that life you you have a PhD it's not gonna be as easy now without a million dollars but your kids are gonna be fine they're still gonna have a good life just seeing him internalize that so so raw it was it was hard and I would love if they would do this if they would have them vote before the final tribal council like yeah. who who are you gonna who are you going to give the money to? And then when they have the final tribal, see how many people flip on their vote uh, by the way that the the case is presented. Because I didn't think Gabler had a chance until he started talking. And, and when he said, no one wrote my name down all season, you could see everybody in the jury's like, oh, my God, right. that's right. That's yeah, a, and I, I thought that was a, a huge turning point in the whole final tribal. Yeah, no, no question. He uh, he. There was there was that point in that dead zone was really when it was like remember we we joked about the uh, the forearm shakes uh, yeah, with the, with the yeah. ride or die guys and it was like man Gabler's starting like he was he really did a really nice job maneuvering through and making some nice plays in that middle area and then he disappeared right you know and then it comes to point out at the end all part of the strategy because threat yeah. management man threat managed like Jesse made the big moves he had to make but inevitably he ended up being too big of a threat at the very end to be sitting there to and that's it threat management all the way to get yourself to 3 is the hardest part of this game cuz you can applaud somebody for the game they're playing but the moment you applaud is when they've screwed it yep. up 
Yep. <laughs> it's the that's the beauty it's the beauty of the game and how how fun it is to watch dynamics. So thanks to everybody for that. You know, it's been great talking to the five of you here for the last few minutes uh, <laughs> uh, about uh, about Survivor, and it was a, a fun season. Now we got to wait all the way till March for it to happen again. So the free agent season uh, podcast and draft season is going to we're going to drop some extra Survivor talking to the end of that for Have season to. forty season forty four medical emergencies return. Jay, you didn't get to see that, but a medical emergencies return next season. Ooh. Apparently, Ooh. so they've already filmed it. Yes. Oh yeah, I guess they, so. They, they showed highlights March. of it. Yeah, yeah they do them. They okay. do them back to back. They shoot them back to back. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will talk to you next from Tampa after the Bengals play the Bucks in Burrow Brady one. So have a good one, everybody. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.